All right, well, hello, and welcome to the Ada Bible Church Beyond the Weekend podcast, where we debrief each weekend sermon, focusing on extra points of connection and what there just wasn't time for in the sermon. I'm your host, Stephen Lewis, and I'm the pastor of spiritual formation here at Ada Bible Church. I help lead our children's, students, young adults, and groups ministry. This week, I'm joined by my regular co-host, Amelia Rhodes. Amelia is our director of discipleship resources, and Brad Holmes, union pastor and North Satellite pastor. How are you guys doing this afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thankful for the sunshine. It's a really sunny day, and I feel like the world is just a better place. I love that. Any <laughs> yeah. sunshine in February is my favorite. So, yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, I actually spent Sunday afternoon on our patio with a fire going and sunshine, and so I would close my eyes, and it felt like I was on a beach somewhere, and that's what I was telling myself. So, <laughs> Almost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm thrilled to have you join us for this episode. Whether you're a regular attendee of our church, a visitor, or a listener from afar, we hope this podcast will challenge you to study God's Word and grow in your relationship with Him. Just a reminder, you'll appreciate this podcast the most if you've already heard the weekend sermon. So if you've missed it, go ahead and pause the podcast, uh, click on the link in the sermon in the show notes, and listen to it before coming back. Uh, but before we jump into the text and sermon, I feel like we need to talk about something that Brad talked about in the sermon— and that's quicksand. <laughs> so how scared were you growing up of quicksand? <laughs> it's a real fear. <laughs> I mean, come on. You see that in the movies? Princess Bride? You see it? Uh, it was all over the place. Oh, that, yeah. was, that was my favorite. Uh -huh. Which by then it was kind of a joke. But even then when you're eight, you know, it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering what happened in like cinematography that made people all at the same time like the, all these movies need quicksand in them uh -huh. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a real thing it's scary it i expected it i spent a lot of time in the woods as a kid <clears throat> um you know hunting and different things i expected to go that way like before i was 25 probably but it didn't i mean I, we all know the rules right like if you wiggle you're gonna sink faster right right like, so stand still yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so anyway well uh brad if you missed it brad mentioned a little bit about quicksand when he, uh, one of his illustrations but uh, let's talk about the sermon, Amelia. Uh, we talked about faith and works from James 2, 14 through 26. Can you give us a quick recap of the sermon? Yeah, three points that uh, real faith moves us. That example of it's not just empty words, but moving towards people, caring for people with God's heart and the way he cares for them. Uh, real faith changes us. I think that was the section where he talked about the demons believe, but it doesn't change mm -hmm, them, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which is just a really fascinating thing to think about. So real faith changes us, not just that what we believe, but how we behave, how we act. And then real faith challenges us to trust. Um, and you gave some great examples there of ways that we are going to trust God with really challenging and difficult things, looking at the example of Abraham. So yeah. it's a great message. Thanks for, we're just really excited to have you with us today, Brad. And Yeah, it was really fun. Uh, the weekend is weekend is fun to pop up there and just uh, share what's on my heart and what, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's just uh, James has to say to us. Yeah, and it was fun to hear a little update on the North Satellite and what's going on there yeah. as well. So, yep. Yeah, thank you. And it's fun because you follow the same process that Aaron does. So last week we talked about how he does the dramatic reading, mm -hmm. and you came in on Thursday and you had titled yours a dramatic reading. I did, right. I did. He challenged me. He said, <laughs> I, I really hope he, he titles it dramatic <laughs> yep. reading, and I did. Yeah, <laughs> That was a lot of fun. <laughs> yep. yep. So I question, and what didn't make it into the sermon this week from that text you yeah. were thinking about? Yeah, that's a great question. There are a handful of things. Uh, one of the things, kind of right at the beginning of the passage uh, where I started, it says, uh, what good is it, brothers and sisters? What good is it, my brothers and sisters? There's a section there. Um, 
I didn't really have time to dig into it, but the fact that James says sisters is uh, mm. pretty like mm-hmm. countercultural uh, for mm. his time mm-hmm. uh, to push back and just add the word sisters highlights this big difference between uh, the Roman culture and the fact that in the church, women were valued mm-hmm. and uh, women were held to the same expectations that men were. Mm-hmm. I think Aaron mentioned that in a sermon maybe the week before how mm-hmm. Lydia, seller of purple cloth, had met with Paul and supported his ministry and the women who supported Jesus' ministry like financially as well. And so just even from the beginning, Jesus modeled that men and women both bear great significance, bear the image of God and had great work to do alongside him. Yeah, I love that passage from Luke where uh, it just talks about, I think there's like three disciples who mm-hmm. are women mm-hmm. and they're the ones paying the bills, like they're supporting his ministry financially. Mm-hmm. It's this really cool note. Yeah, and that's kind of the complementary nature of humanity that we see throughout the whole Bible is that God creates a male and female, mm-hmm. right? And the, the goal is for them to use their unique giftings and abilities together um, in a complementary way uh, to bring about what Jesus and God have desires for the world, right? And we start to see that happening in the church more and more. It doesn't mean they got to did it perfectly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that we're doing it perfectly in the world either, but we can see the heart of God for that through the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting that, um, you know, the brothers and sisters, and you wouldn't see that probably in other letters, like you mentioned, it's just a a really um, kind of a neat thing to pull out, even though we didn't have time to talk about it this weekend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So what else? Anything else going on in the text that we didn't get to cover? Yeah, this one, we covered it, but uh, not directly, but there is, I don't know, just... As I was preparing this teaching, there's almost like a tightrope trying to walk. Mm-hmm. And just uh, one side of the tightrope is, uh, you know, uh, valuing the idea of grace and that we have grace. And um, there, there's there's nothing that, um, you know, when uh, the idea that when we sin, that is already paid for. Mm-hmm. And then the other side of this where uh, we have to work out our salvation uh, Paul says, with fear and trembling, this, these yeah. two sides, it's just a tightrope to try and balance so that people walk away from this sermon not feeling like, oh, I just have to do a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. in order to make sure that I'm saved. But at the same time, no, there is uh, work that we're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing as we partner with God and just reflect the grace that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, kind of a hard tightrope to walk down. Yeah, and there are probably a couple theological words that you may, our listeners may be familiar with. You have words like justification, sanctification, and glorification, mm-hmm. right? And um, with this whole faith and works thing, there's an idea, and maybe the question some people ask when they get into James is, do your works play a role in justifying you? And mm-hmm. justifying you is when you're made right before God. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout James and the other New Testament authors, we see no works actually aren't the thing that does that, right? That's through Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. Um, but then sanctification is what God does through you to make you more like Jesus, mm-hmm. to have his character and his heart and things we talked about even in our podcast last week. And then the final thing is glorification, and that's when life's over and um, as we move into the next state of life and eternity, and that's both heaven and hell. I mean, heaven and hell, heaven and <laughs> earth, mm-hmm. um, you know, because the new heaven and the new earth and that's where you are finally who we're, who we were created to be almost. And that's that glorification at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's like justification, not something we can earn. 
um, sanctification is a partnership with God, but it's almost too, and maybe this is what James is getting at, is that sanctification is the proof of our justification. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. if you were to prove that you that something happened, you would hold up your sanctification and be like, no, I actually was justified because I'm being sanctified mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, it's, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I've been thinking about this. We've gotten so many questions about you know, this tightrope of faith and works and Mm -hmm. James and Paul. And it's, you know, something I think that I personally have struggled with a lot. One who grew Mm -hmm. up very works oriented, Mm -hmm. very work out your salvation. And there was a lot of fear and trembling, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. back in the day too. And even into adulthood, (laughs) (laughs) like, okay, I'm doing it, fear and trembling. Am I doing enough? And I think those of us that are more performance based struggle with this in particular. And over the weekend, I was doing some reading. I'm taking a couple classes in seminary right now. One of them is an Old Testament class. And my professor is a great Old Testament professor, mm-hmm. sitting in a big leather chair doing his lecture. <laughs> it's fantastic. But there was reading in the textbook. I'm like, oh, this faith and works goes way back to the beginning, which James is pointing back to Abraham, which is Genesis, a very in the beginning. But um, I read something, and they were talking about how in the Bible, spiritual truth is always fleshed out in historical reality. It's not Mm -hmm. just a spiritual truth. There's, like, actions. And for the Bible, it's grounded in history that we can see and point to in other places as well. And so it says, humanly speaking, faith expresses itself in works. And so when you see God bring Israel out of Egypt and make them his own people, he expects this relationship to alter their conduct forever. This is God's call from the beginning. And so in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, we see that over and over. And then there's the law, not meant to restrict them, but to shape them into Mm. their conduct and their character to look like his image. Mm -hmm. And so if you think of this relationship, like God's never content, they said, to have a relationship if people are making no effort to be like his character. So you think of reciprocal relationships in your own life, you know, how valuable those are when there are two ways both people are participating and acting and living out that relationship as opposed to a relationship that's one-sided. It's not very fun. And sometimes those don't last because the other person isn't putting in any effort. And so it just gave me a great example of, you know, it's not to earn God's love. That's Mm -hmm. done. But the effort, because he loves me, because it's this reciprocal two-way relationship and putting it in that context, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense to me of, you know, why we don't try to earn it, but there is effort involved to grow. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And that seems like what you're trying to get to with the quote from Jesus, right? If you love me, keep my commands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You could walk away from some of, uh, I think some of Paul's teachings and think, well, it's just faith alone. Like it's just faith alone. Um, so I, you know what? Um, it doesn't really matter if I gossip at work a whole lot mm-hmm. because I, I have God's grace and it doesn't really matter. I mean, pornography is not really hurting anyone else, so it doesn't, it's okay. I've experienced God's grace. And here we, when we read what James says, it seems like, oh, he's kind of pushing us towards the other, other way mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. say, no, it does matter how you act and how you live and the way mm-hmm. that you speak to other people. Um, no, it, it does matter and it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I love that kind of balancing act that both uh, texts kind of push off of mm-hmm. each other. And it I think too, you know, this this whole idea of um I can believe something but it not change the way I live is a fairly modern idea. Mm-hmm. And it could be um we you can't really believe something and not have it impact the way you live if it's something like central like this. I think mm-hmm. I read an article on this on the Gospel Coalition website from Tom Schreiner and we can link that mm-hmm. in the um, show notes, and he kind of walks through some of the like 
New Testament back and forth between Paul and James, if uh, somebody's interested in reading that. But one of his examples that he gives is like, you can, if I say like the building's on fire or there's a bomb in the building Mm -hmm. or something, Mm -hmm. like you could be like, oh, okay, great. And if you just sit there, did you really believe what I said? Mm -hmm. But no, like we would say, if we really believe it, we're going to leave the building. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe we're going to try to take some people with us, right? We tell other people and try to get them out of the building too. Yeah. And that's kind of his point is that even in the Old Testament and the New Testament authors, they're not doing something that is just like intellectually agreeing to something. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit what James is working against here. And I know um, in our conversation, was it Tuesday or Thursday, we talked about the two other big words, and I'll probably mispronounce this one. Um <laughs> It's antinomianism versus legalism, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the different environments that Paul is leaning into. Do you guys want to speak into that a little bit? Yeah, the first one, I'm not even going to try and say where <laughs> the word. <laughs> that is that idea that, no, I have God's grace, uh, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I can uh, continue to live my life the way I want to live it, and uh, I just know that I have God's grace. Um, and that, uh, like we said about the building too, that belief without any action um, that's what the that's what the demons did. They mm. they believe. They yeah. know the truth. Yeah. They believe wholeheartedly. God is one. They've seen him. They know, uh, but they're not doing anything about it. And that's yeah. like listening to the person say, "Hey, the building is about to explode," uh, but then just staying in your seat and yeah. not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the other side of that uh, is legalism and saying, "No, I have to work really, really hard to make sure that God loves me." Mm-hmm. to know that God cares about me because if I mess up, maybe he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and both of those are, both of those are wrong. Well, yeah. they're both, what they're both missing is the heart transformation mm-hmm. that Jesus is going after. It's not just outward actions, but it's outward actions that come from a transformed heart mm-hmm. that's been shaped by his love. Yeah. And I had a uh, pastor growing up who used to talk about um, when it comes to Christianity, there's usually a ditch on both sides of the road. Mm-hmm. And if you think about, you know, I th- I think Aaron started this series off by saying, we call it the book of James, but it's a letter mm-hmm. from James to the, the scattered um, Jerusalem believers, and it's written to address some specific things in their context. And uh, we have to keep that in mind. And then when we look at Paul, what he's writing, he's writing oftentimes to churches made up of either Jewish and Gentile or primarily Gentile believers. And so the antinomianism is thing, it's like a no more law. That's what that mm-hmm. word kind of means. Yeah. And legalism means, you know, you're earning by the law. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like James is writing against people who are saying, oh, I'm free now. I can just do whatever I want. And their lives aren't reflecting um, the types of things Jesus asked them to do. Mm-hmm. Where Paul often might be writing to a group of believers who have maybe somebody from a Jewish background trying to say, but no, you need to follow these parts of the law mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where Paul is saying, no, you're justified by faith alone. Yep. You know, and whereas James is saying, your, your works will show whether you believe or not. You know? mm-hmm. And so they're both writing to a slightly different audience. But yeah. if you take their works on whole, you could say that maybe there's a little bit of tension there, but it, they're really together, though. And I think that's what Tom Schreiner does pretty well in that article. Okay. Yeah, and even Paul himself. I mean, uh, Paul says faith alone, but then he writes to the Philippian church, and that's where that passage uh, comes from about working out your salvation yeah. with faith mm-hmm. or with uh, fear and trembling. Fear and, trembling. Mm-hmm. and I think he says um, something similar in Galatians 5, too, about your um, faith is going to reveal itself by mm-hmm. the way that you love other people. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't read Paul and think you need to stay the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not part of his message. Right, right. So, 
you know, for for those of us that are wrestling with this, I think the wrestle is good. Looking at all of scripture is good. It, and I just am reminded that we're not left on our own to figure it out. Mm. And, you know, if you're fearing, oh, I'm falling into no law or I'm falling into all law. Mm-hmm. And again, as one who struggles with that perfectionism and the work and the identity and what you do and produce, I've just found that continually turning my heart towards God, I'm like, I don't, I don't get this. I don't know how to do this well. Mm-hmm. Lord, Holy Spirit, help me work not to earn it but to put an effort to genuinely grow and just know that we're not left alone we have the holy spirit to help us Mm -hmm. grow Mm -hmm. in that and stay out of either ditch yeah yeah and it's good stuff i mean it really does challenge us i think i've heard aaron use over and over again this is like the the gut punch letter Mm -hmm. which i feel like would (laughs) be a good like animated video to have in a a service or something i felt bad that i didn't work that in somewhere (laughs) in the teaching Um, Uh, one other thing in this text, um, you know, you stopped at 24 yeah. with the mm-hmm. Abraham story, but there's another story at the end of that talking about Rahab mm-hmm. and, um, you know, her her faith. Mm-hmm. And so uh, do we want to talk about that for a little bit? I think it's just good mentioning, and we encourage you, because we can't get to the whole passage, we've mentioned this a couple of times, go mm-hmm. ahead and read it you know, for yourself, even though they don't get to it on the weekend. But Rahab is another great another great example of another woman, is mm-hmm. pointed out as mm-hmm. a good example of faith. He's pointing to Abraham and then also Rahab, uh, who, if you go back and you read her story in the Old Testament, that's the thing to keep in mind when the New Testament authors just point to a story or they mention someone, they think they're expecting their reader mm-hmm. to know the whole context. So again, go back, read the whole context, because mm-hmm. you get so many more layers and understanding of what they're saying in the New Testament when you know the whole Old Testament story in its context. But she's just another great example of faith and work. She had faith in God. She's in Jericho. She's heard about what God mm-hmm. has done by bringing the Israelites out of Exodus. Now they're coming to Jericho. They're on the edge of her city. She knows and believes God's given them the city. It's going to be theirs. And she has faith in him and faith that he could save her too and that she could be part of that. And so she doesn't just say that. She then actively sides with God and the Israelites, helps them escape, puts a scarlet cord in her rope. It's a fantastic story. And then she is she is not only spared, but she becomes part of the lineage of Jesus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's mentioned in the New Testament. And so you get a glimpse as well of faith and works, but also of God's heart being for the whole world. Mm-hmm. There's something so cool about that too because she's a Canaanite woman and she's being used as, as an example to say, hey, she had great faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, I referenced um, a passage from Luke chapter 10, and it's where uh, the guy's beaten and yeah. broken on the side of the road. And uh, it's it's inspired by a question that was asked of Jesus, and it's a question by a teacher of the law. And the question was, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And then he gives these two examples of, well, you want to inherit eternal life? Well, uh, a the uh, the priest, they keep walking by. The uh, religious leader, mm-hmm. they keep walking by. But the foreigner, this Samaritan, he's the one that actually shows mercy. And I just love how both Jesus and James here kind of flip it around and mm-hmm. say, well, you know what? Um, God can use the one that you might perceive as the outsider to be the mm-hmm. one that's showing the most mercy and having the deepest amount of faith. It's interesting. Here's something where you see a biblical concept, like completely renew an idea. Whereas the Good Samaritan would have been like a an oxymoron in the mm-hmm. first century, right? Because yeah. this is essentially the uh, people group that the Jews probably despised the most mm-hmm. uh, because of their history and uh, over the course of the exile and things like that. And now we have like organizations called like Samaritan's Purse, yeah, and you know, right. the Good yeah. Samaritan is uh-huh. like a 
a, a term that we think highly of. Yeah. It's a hundred percent because of something Jesus said. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, um, and then, you know, like you mentioned with Rahab and how sometimes you peak, uh, an idea and, and then you like Rahab, um, becomes Boaz's mother. Boaz is the one who ends up married to Ruth, another foreigner mm-hmm. who ends up in the line yeah, yeah. of Jesus. And I just wonder if, you know, if James's readers are connecting these things because Ruth's faith is really strong too. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she goes to Naomi is like, I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to die where you die, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to believe in the God you believe in basically. Yeah. yeah. Talk and, about faith put into action. Right. I'm leave my country <clears throat> and mm-hmm. side yeah. with you. Yeah. I forgot the technical term of it, but as I was studying for this, I, uh, remember, there's uh, whatever the word is. It's uh, the idea that the um, you can talk about the extremes, and they mean what they mean is the the whole. So, mm-hmm. if I lose my keys, I could say I search high and low for my keys, yeah. and you mean I search everywhere, right? And here's what James is doing at the end of this passage when he's talking about Abraham, who is this huge biblical character. I, I mentioned hundreds of times his yeah. name is mentioned in the mm-hmm. Bible. Uh, chapters devoted to his story, and then we have Rahab. This foreigner who is only mentioned this one time uh, and a very short story, mm-hmm. but it's these two extremes that James want to get wants to give to say all of us, mm. all of us need to have this yeah. kind of faith uh, when it comes to just how we trust in Jesus. That's good, and it, and it shows the consistency of the idea of your belief needs to lead to action mm-hmm. throughout for it to be real. Essentially, like real belief is evidenced by action. Yeah. It's not that action earns anything, right? Mm-hmm. It's not how you earn your justification, but real justification is followed by sanctification mm-hmm. if you want to use the theological terms. So, um, yeah, Brad, is there anything you wish you could have spent more time talking about from the sermon? Yeah, there always is. <laughs> I'm sure Aaron always has uh, tons of content that he just has to pull out. Um, one for me uh, when we talk about this uh, Abraham story, there's just so much here mm-hmm. in this story. Uh, Abraham, he is called by God to go to a specific mountain where he's going to sacrifice Isaac. And uh, on this mountain, he builds the altar. And uh, the mountain, the mountain's called Mount Moriah. And uh, we're told that in the story. And then we fast forward through the Bible and we get to the Jesus stories. At this point, uh, Jesus, um, you know, at the end of his life, he's called up onto a mountain where he's tried for crimes he didn't commit, and he's sentenced to death. Mm -hmm. And if you remember the story from Abraham, Abraham was told to kill his one and only son. He's take his one and only son and sacrifice his son to God. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the story of Jesus, it's God's one and only Mm -hmm. son. And what we don't see in those two stories, uh, the Temple Mount, you can visit the Temple Mount today in Israel, and the Temple Mount is on Mount Moriah, mm. which I just think is so rich and just, uh, I don't know, it makes the story seamless. It's just this beautiful connection to see that God the whole time was always intending to bring his son yeah. to be yeah. a sacrifice. And uh, another side note, like if you're watching the news or you see... Um, that like golden dome, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a the iconic picture of Israel that you see. Um, it's called the Dome of the Rock, and that's on the Temple Mount, on Mount Moriah. And uh, if you were to go inside there, there's a sp- space that's like an exposed piece of the mountain, and they believe that that's uh, that's where Abraham was called to 
sacrifice Isaac. And so, I don't know, it's just the history and the actual physical locations, I just think makes the story so much more rich. But again, yeah, something that we couldn't dive fully into right. in a weekend service. Well, and you, when you consider there's so much about Abraham, and we have talked a couple times about types mm -hmm. and how the Old Testament will give us types of Christ. And that's a, a person or sometimes a place, an object that points forward to Jesus. We're actually doing this in Beyond the Weekend this year. Our challenge for the year is finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Oh, I love it, yeah. And so we're recording this on Monday. So just today we kind of released the February challenge, which is to read the book of Genesis You'll get the whole story of Abraham and so much more. And we talk about all the different ways that you see Jesus in Genesis and Abraham is one of them. And this story is one of those iconic typology that points forward to Jesus who, who not only has some historical correspondence, like the actual location is the same, which is phenomenal, mm -hmm. but then he escalates and elevates and fulfills and completes yeah. everything that we see in Abraham. And so just to sit in that story and see all of the typology that points forward, think of Abraham as a type of the father. Mm -hmm. who's willing to give his one mm -hmm. and only yeah. son, mm -hmm. yeah. who, what that must have cost mm -hmm. Abraham emotionally, mentally, what that must have cost the heavenly father mm -hmm. to know, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, he was giving his one and only son to see Isaac as the son. And I was talking with someone after the service and they're like, it just hit me that Isaac wasn't a kid. Like he was yeah. probably like 37, 38. So mm -hmm. to be a willing, submissive son, mm -hmm. humbly surrendering to his father's will, such a picture of what Jesus does, mm -hmm. you know, for us on the cross. Then there's the ram, also could be another type of substitute offering. Yeah. This is what mm -hmm. Jesus is, a substitute offering. Just so many things to just really sit in that. And when you focus on that, just the awe that you have that that was God's plan for mm -hmm. us from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I find that when I dwell on that, the works flow the works flow yeah. naturally yeah. out of just gratitude mm -hmm. that that was God's plan, you know, all along. And so join us in the Beyond the Weekend devotional if you're not in that. Yeah. We'll, we'll give you hints and point forward <laughs> and there's a reading plan. We get to read through Genesis, but it's just really neat to sit in those and think yeah, his plan from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So speaking of that Abraham story, um, as you were talking about trust and how faith trusts, mm -hmm. and that was at your last point, and um, Abraham hears God tell him to go do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so it isn't like he just has this weird premonition or anything, but I was thinking through, there's one time in my life where I feel like, I wouldn't say God spoke to me out loud, but it was like very clearly mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And so um, this was 12 or 13 years ago. Um, Jacqueline was pregnant with our son, Hudson, mm -hmm. and we had had some screenings done. And one of the screenings um, showed something that could have been significant. We had an ultrasound done and that kind of confirmed that this could be something very significant, which would have been life-changing um, for him and for us. And, um, but we were, she was on the phone getting that news. Um, I could, I can still picture that day in our house where we were, we were, you know, Greenville in a bi-level house at the time, you know, we were up in the kitchen and um, she gets this phone call. She just immediately starts sobbing. She's been delivered this news. That's could be life-changing yeah. if true. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had our daughter at the time was two, I think. And so she was there. We kind of probably turned the TV on or something for her. You know, what do you do when you're, mm -hmm. we moved into the bedroom and she's on the couch sobbing and I'm kind of picking up half the conversation. I'm sitting there next to her and I, I, I wouldn't say it was an auto voice because Jacqueline didn't hear it, but it was very clearly God saying, do you trust me in this? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like one of these moments where I have to decide, do I think it's real or not? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do I really trust? And I remember sitting there with that for a little bit and like, almost like panicked, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, and then I, I, I remember saying to God, I do trust you in this, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, so I don't know how long that encounter was, but then trying to figure out how do you step into a place of trust for supporting Jacqueline and the next steps that we had on that Mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I'm not saying like God said, Hey, go sacrifice your son on the mountain. But that was a very tangible moment of trust for me. Mm -hmm. And I believe it was, it's been an important moment in my life to look back on Mm -hmm. as well and say, yeah, this thing is real for me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm all in on it. You know, even if it's something with my child, I'm all in Mm -hmm. on it. And so that's uh, your, just your piece on trust there really kind of brought that um, season of my life back Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Trusting no matter what the outcome looked like. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool story. And as you trust his character and who he is, I think that's so key. It's not just when things work out like we want them to, Mm -hmm. that it's okay. But even, even when it's not physically here on earth, what we would like it to be trusting who he is, trusting his promises, trusting his word, it changes you. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think we have time for one question. So this question came in uh, on Aaron's sermon last week. And it just talks about the difference between kind of making it a wise decision and maybe having some boundaries um, versus discrimination. And so, uh, Amelia, what do you think is kind of the difference between making a wise decision about, you know, where you live, where your kids go Mm -hmm. to school, those type of things versus um, showing favoritism or discrimination? Yeah, I think there's an element of discernment that relates to discrimination. You can Mm -hmm. be discerning about what is the wise choice without being discriminating. And I think that was, you know, back in James chapter one, you know, God asked, you know, ask God for wisdom mm. and believe mm-hmm. that he gives generously um, without finding fault. And so in situations where it's things like we've done this, you know, choosing, choosing where we're going to live, where mm-hmm. kids are going to go to school, um, knowing we don't have all the information, we do the best we can with what we have, but really praying and asking for wisdom and discernment. And so I would say that that leans more towards wisdom and discernment rather than discriminating and choosing something because of you know people you don't like or mm-hmm. a situation that you're not yeah. not sure about. So there is something about healthy boundaries. And I just think of when Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, he, Jesus tells them, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. So he's, you know, he's even in sending mm-hmm. his disciples out. Say, be discerning, mm-hmm. be wise. And so uh, there's a there's a fine line, but praying for wisdom, praying for discernment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I thought about that too, um, I was thinking it kind of goes back to that glory conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we're choosing to do something or not do something because of, what we can get out of it, like, and increase our glory, then that might be moving us into that favoritism mm-hmm. discrimination space. Whereas if we're trying to do something because we think it's wise for our family or it's um, where God is asking us to step into, then that feels a little bit more like discernment. Okay, what God, what should I do here type of conversation instead of just like, oh, what's going to be, what's going to be best for me in the eyes of people, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. So, well, I think that's pretty much all the time we have. Um, Brad, what's a quick preview of what we're going to be learning about in this coming weekend? And is there a passage we could read ahead of time? Yeah. So James, uh, I mean, talk about gut punches. Uh, (laughs) James, I think this week really lands one. Uh, We're talking about faith and how we use our words. And uh, it comes from, uh, we're moving into chapter three. So it's uh, verses one through 12 is where we're going to land. 
And uh, he just has some really, really strong things about how we speak and the way our words just have power. And so, yeah, it'll be, uh, I think it'll be fun to talk through, but uh, I think it's going to be one where, I mean, in my process, and I'm, I'm sure Aaron's process as well, these teachings um, start with me mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, they have to filter through my heart and through my mind and through my actions first, or I'm not going to bring anything worth talking about uh, to the stage. So uh, yeah, this is as I'm working through the content, um, I'm finding, okay, wow, this is really hard. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited uh, for the ways I think this will challenge us and also just um, be an encouragement for us to keep keep moving forward in how we speak to the people around us. That's the great thing about James, right? It's so practical. Mm-hmm. It's it's really hitting us in a lot of different areas of our life. So James 3, 1 through 12. 1 through 12, yeah. 12, yep. okay. Mm-hmm. So make sure you read that ahead of time uh, and be uh, asking God to prepare our hearts uh, so he can shape the way that we talk, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of practical things. so Well, thank you for joining us this week. Uh, we pray this conversation was helpful and encourages you to make it re- real. Uh, just a reminder, you can send in your questions about the sermons. Go to adabible.info and click on This Weekend, and I will also give you the link in the show notes. We'll be back next week with another episode. But if you're finding these podcasts enjoyable, I encourage you to subscribe to it on your podcast so you're going to get notified of new um, episodes. And then also you can share it with a friend. Mm -hmm. And we've heard some stories of people doing that already, and it's uh, very encouraging. So as we go, uh, remember this week, Brad challenged us um, to have a faith that moves us, a faith that changes us, and a faith that trusts And I think if we can find a faith that trusts, we will find a faith that changes and moves us. Mm -hmm. So I'd encourage you to um, ask yourself, what does it look like for me to trust God more this week and the way that I interact with people? So uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Thanks for joining us this week.